You are listening to FPEA Connects, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to FPEA Connects. Today's host is Suzanne Nunn. Suzanne is an active homeschool mom serving homeschool families in both her local community and across the state. She also serves as chairman of FPEA, Florida's statewide homeschooling association. FPEA serves thousands of homeschool families in Florida, delivering a wealth of support, guidance, and information to both new and longtime home educators. Please join us as we seek to encourage you in your homeschool journey and help you stay connected to all things homeschooling in the Sunshine State. Welcome to episode number 65 of FPEA Connects. I'm glad you decided to listen in today. I'm Suzanne, and I'm here with Sharon. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Suzanne. We are having a Florida sunshiny day here, which is perfect because we have some great Florida fun to talk about today. But first, let's catch up. What have you been up to? Oh, gosh, we've been so busy, busy. as you know. Planning lots of future events that people can look forward to, but so busy. And convention, getting ready for that because, you know, it's open. Right, right. How about you? Uh, Busy about planning. That's it. All kinds kinds of really fabulous things to do with FPEA, our FPEA friends. We do an FPEA together now. Think of them as my FPEA family. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, we have a year ahead that is really full of some awesome opportunities to explore Florida together and even some other places. We'll talk about that in a minute. Very exciting Um, news. Yeah. So I'll just leave that with, um, you know, everyone definitely needs to keep up with FPEA so you can stay connected to all that we have going on. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So stay connected. But uh, let's move today's into today's topic a little bit. You know, it is February. And what do we think of when February rolls around? And I don't mean chocolate. Ah, I was going to say chocolate hearts. <laughs> chocolate <laughs> but hearts. But it definitely involves hearts. Yes. Love. love. Yes, there's plenty of chocolate <laughs> everywhere I turn around. But love is what we're talking about. And uh, I thought it would be fun to kind of have a, th- a love theme for mm-hmm. our February podcast. So today the topic is for the love of Florida. So, you know, I don't think I ever make any bones about how much I love Florida. And I mean, let's be honest, it's February, mm-hmm. it's sunshiny outside. And if I got the notion right now to throw off all my work and be irresponsible in just about five miles, I could put my toes in the sand, mm-hmm. watch the sandpipers run away from the waves, and all to the tune of the seagulls singing in their course. What is not to love about that reality? Oh, we both love Florida. (laughs) (laughs) No, right? But I guess that there is more to life than sunshine, palm trees, and the alluring blue of the ocean, or at least some people say so. Um, But yes, that part of Florida is is beautiful. That's like my Florida. And I could just camp out right there on that beach. Me too. But we live in a fabulous place. And, you know, since we've been doing these podcasts, one of the things that... I've seen over and over again, I think you've noticed it too, is that some of the most popular episodes are the ones that focus on field trips. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or just, or even just like great excursions to take around the state yep. to places. So I don't think I'm alone in my admiration for all things Florida. 
No, I Looks don't like think some so. Other people are yeah. out there. They do. Yep. Uh, so I love it. The wild side, the history, the small towns, the big ones, the famous ones, whatever it is, we Floridians certainly seem to enjoy sharing it um, and experiencing it apparently together. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I have picked a couple of new places to explore with um, everybody listening in. And there's kind of an underlying focus, though, because um, I want to kind of focus on the development of tourism in our state, mm -hmm. too. And for you and for me, I think it's hard to imagine a Florida that wasn't already a tourist destination. Yeah, right. That's, like, that's what we've known. And, you know, it's how is it not? you know, a challenge to find any small place right now in Florida that hasn't been touched by tourism and or the imprint of like people who have either vacation homes or yeah. retirement homes. There's not that many places that are not touched by that here in Florida. But there was a time that Florida was a bit of a wild frontier mm -hmm. and not heavily populated and not overdeveloped. Right. You know? And so that was when People came here and found like a paradise. Yeah. That was it. Warm weather. Warm weather. So I wanted to just like share some fun facts about some of those places that really begin to draw visitors <clears throat> and vacationers into Florida and what those places might have looked like then and what they look like now mm -hmm. because some of them are actually still around. Well, where are you going to take us? Well, uh, first of all, <laughs> I'm going to state what may appear to be the obvious. Florida was originally a destination that drew wealthy and famous people. And that would be a little interesting. But people could not afford the time to travel and vacation here. Because, mm -hmm. you know, Florida is kind of on the outer, yeah. you know, edges of our, of our United States. Um, so the time to travel here. But also, there was not a lot of the um, modes of transportation. Yeah, so the infrastructure and, wasn't really... Yeah. It wasn't there. And um, so what we look at now is, you know, places like you can get anywhere pretty quickly. But, of course, um, that goes back to, you know, how did some of that infrastructure get built that, mm -hmm. that provided the transportation? One of the men who had discovered Florida and its virtual paradise and fell in love with Florida in the um, 1880s was Henry Flagler. And, you know, he was a very wealthy man from his mm -hmm. northern um, oil investments, but he started building railroads mm -hmm. and hotels um, coming into Florida. And the more railroad he bit, built, the more hotels he built. And so quickly people were able to start coming into Florida. Right. Now it was a little bit more available to, you know, the average person to get there more quickly. And um, back then, the early 1900s now we're looking at, people started coming in by the thousands to visit, but they were coming, of course, to the natural beauty, the warmth and the sunshine, the salt air. Uh, a lot of them were coming to climates where they could, you know, heal from illnesses mm -hmm. or disease. <clears throat> and so soon what you would really find is people would start building their winter homes here mm -hmm. and stay four months at a time. And so for those who could afford it, afford it again, some rich, famous people moved into Florida and built their winter homes like Don Thomas Edison and Henry Ford or some of the ones that you would know of. And, um, you know, they built their, their homes here and then they lived here for months at a time. So, but then the invention of the automobile brought even more people and made it more, you know, accessible. accessible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To a totally different 
um, group of people, class of people. Yeah, yeah. A whole different status of people. So um, that was what we started seeing then is that as families came and as things started to build up, that we started seeing roadside attractions mm-hmm. build up. So that was um, some of the, the draw, I think, for the people who already lived here to make things accessible to those who were visiting here. And so it was not much long, much earlier than when Flagler started building his hotels and his railroads that um, there was a man named Hullum Jones. Mm-hmm. He invented the class bottom boat. Oh, wow. In the bottom of a rowboat, seriously, in the bottom of a rowboat, he installed a pane of glass and he started charging people five cents <laughs> each, five cents, to ferry them above the crystal clear silver spring. Oh, right? wow. Yeah. And voila, our first tourist attraction is born. <laughs> so Silver Springs is that it features one of the largest um, artesian springs in the world and it became famous very quickly because of the glass bottom boat rides yeah and because it was so crystal clear you could see it yeah i've kayaked a silver river and silver springs and it is it's so there's areas that are really deep but it's so crystal clear it's yeah it's so beautiful it's beautiful and um you can still actually enjoy it today Mm -hmm. so this is one of the things i love it's really considered like our first tourist attraction Mm -hmm. and um it's still there and families can enjoy it It was around 1971 that they actually designated silver springs as a national natural landmark so i would say that that one's definitely worth a visit um, so it is that Silver Springs um, kind of launched us into this new season of building attractions that embrace the wild Florida, the springs, the alligators, the flora. Um, and as people begin to build beautiful gardens, the, those will become some of the most famous Florida roadside attractions during this time frame that we're talking about. Uh, Bach Tower Gardens is a prime example of that. It was dedicated in 1929. It's in Lake Wales. Have you been there? I have never been there. I'm familiar with it, but I can't believe I've never been there. (laughs) You need to take a trip. We need to take a road trip. Yeah. (laughs) It was one of Florida's actually first major attractions um, during that era. And people would drive long distances to see the gardens and the tower because it was called the Singing Tower. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was built by Edward Bach. He was actually a very successful editor of the Ladies Home Journal. And he built the gardens. The tower was actually built to cover up the irrigation system that was going to water the plants. And it's a it's a 200, there's 200 bells um, that build the carry-on <clears throat> inside that create the music. Oh, okay. And so every afternoon, a certain time, it plays music. And so they call it the singing tower because... Do they still the play it? They Absolutely. still play it today? Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> it is amazing. And um, it's it's really honestly one of like the most beautiful places. It's on a hill mm-hmm. and um, it's very serene and peaceful. I love it because you actually can look out still surrounded by orange groves. So you really feel like you're getting that, that piece of like old Florida and that natural place. But it's really beautiful. It's very peaceful. It's very serene, but it's just, it's gorgeous. Can you climb the tower? Like you can go up in Mm -mm. the tower? No. No, it's just a bell tower. Yeah, it's a bell tower. It's just, okay. Yeah, but it's beautiful. Built of marble and Mm -hmm. conch. I've seen pictures of it. It's really neat looking. Gorgeous. Um, So talking about these kinds of attractions, it would be wrong if I didn't talk about Wiki Wachi Springs. (laughs) 
<laughs> this old Florida attraction brought really international attention oh, yeah. to Florida. And why was that? Because as every little girl growing up <laughs> wanted to see those mermaids. Right. <laughs> it was definitely the live underwater mermaid shows, of course. But <clears throat> this is what I find more interesting about it all. Believe it or not, you can still visit the original mm -hmm. attraction where the mermaids are still swimming. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> along with other shows, they still have other entertainment and activities. And they've built Buccaneer Bay, mm -hmm. uh, which is there, which is a great water area, water park area. But it's also been designated a state park. <clears throat> so it's a great day of fun. Yeah. It really is. Um, moving on. <clears throat> Down the road we go to Cypress Gardens, one of my all-time favorites. It was it was in Winter Haven. Uh, it was really it was really the state's first theme park. Yeah, yeah, and it was built around 1936. It's well known for a couple of things. Yep, it's known for. In my growing up, you knew about Cypress Gardens for two reasons. They mm -hmm. had fabulous ski water ski shows right and of course the ladies and their beautiful dresses and parasols <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna tell you how that came to be oh cool how's that sound okay yeah so um first of all the the gardens were gorgeous right they were beautiful yeah and um they built the rose gardens and the man who created it his name was dick pope he actually decided that it would be perfect to have those girls come in and wear the Annabelle style dresses. We call them Southern Bells. Mm -hmm. And walk <laughs> around the garden and pose for pictures. And it was it was beautiful. If you ever went there, because every single one of them was beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the dresses were phenomenal, you know. And it was just as a little girl, you were like awed by as it. As many oh. ruffles as you could get. Exactly. <laughs> and as wide as you could get. Yeah. And then uh, it was the actually it was actually the birthplace of performance water skiing. Yeah. Cypress Gardens was, and the man again who opened it, Dick Pope, during World War II, introduced the water ski shows to entertain troops who were visiting the garden. Oh wow! Is that interesting? Yeah. Yeah, very interesting, and um, it really played the military. You know, at that point really played a role in continuing to bring people into Florida because yeah. during the World War II, after World War II. Um, some of these bases that we still have functioning today were built mm. and the military moved in. So, yeah, he did that to entertain the troops. I thought it was very interesting. Anyway, Cypress Gardens basically became the water ski capital of the world. Mm -hmm. um, it closed in 2003, which was really abrupt. I don't know if you mm, remember yes, it Yes, I do all. remember it. And it was a big <clears throat> deal that they were closing. Well, it was like, An seriously, it was like passing. three days. It was like... <laughs> Hello, wait, wait, what happened? Yeah. And, um, you know, and then, though, it did actually reopen again um, the next year. So it was really weird. They started going through this, you know, flux of openings and closings. And so they finally um, closed again in, I guess, 2008. But the land was eventually acquired by Legoland. Mm -hmm. Okay, and Legoland opened in 2011 on that site, and it did, this is the thing that I did like, it did maintain some of the gardens. Oh, good. So, you could go through and you could um, see the Rose Gardens and some of the really stunning beauty yeah. of the gardens there, but um, while I was there, I got to sit and watch the water ski show, mm -hmm. because they actually did keep some of the water ski shows. That's great. So, yeah. Um, a couple of other noteworthy places that sprang up early on and that you can still visit, which, you know, you can still, you can't visit Cypress Gardens, but you can go to Legoland. 
it's not not quite the same. Not the same, but, but close. Um, but here are some other ones that you can actually still go visit. Okay, mm-hmm. Sunken Gardens in Saint Petersburg. That one was built in the early 30s as well. Um, I was actually just there the other day, and those gardens are over 100 years old. Uh, it's actually home to some of the oldest tropical plants in Florida. Wow. Um, and it was built in basically an ancient like drain lake, like a sinkhole, essentially. And that's the name. Sunken that's Gardens. The name. That's right. So the man um, who lived there and built them, his name was George Turner. He just was a gardener and he loved it. This was his private property. And when he drained that lake, he had all kinds of muck. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was perfect for his favorite pastime gardening. Yeah. Um, so it started out with just his friends and neighbors loved it and mm-hmm. they would come through and stroll through his gardens and see everything he was building in there and eventually starts charging them five cents a tour. Oh. Okay. <laughs> entrepreneurial. That <laughs> it he was, was entrepreneurial. Uh, so it actually became then a destination and his family um, later purchased the building that was um, right near their property adjoining that property and it actually been um a previous Coca-Cola bottling company, hmm. but um, they they purchased it. It's still there today. His plan then was to build the world's largest gift shop. This is in St. Petersburg, so <laughs> perfect, and a wax museum. Hmm. And um, that's actually what was there when I was growing up. And we traveled because this oh, is really? like this is the area. I know this is a side note, but we lived in Key Largo, Florida, and. We were surrounded by water, and we were in the water, like, every single day of our lives. When we left Key Largo to go on vacation, we went to Treasure Island in St. Pete. (laughs) (laughs) From one place with water to another. But anyway, so we would drive past these places. And one of the things I always loved about Sunken Gardens, and I still love it today, is that you drive up, and they must have redone the sign in the 1950s, because it's very uh, 1950s-esque. Um, sign that's sitting mm-hmm. out front still and those buildings are still there it's mm-hmm. not a wax museum anymore no nor the world's largest gift shop Aww. but um but they're still there and that's where they actually have their ticket office now and a children's museum but yeah you know i go through there and i see the the same thing i saw then essentially with a lot more development around it yeah but um it really is, if you're available for like just an afternoon getaway or a Saturday morning, that's a great place to go. They've got all the botanical gardens, several water features, and then flamingos. Of course, you know, I love the flamingos. Mm. <laughs> so that was um, really, it's a lot of fun. And so another, here's another little neat side trip out of, out of Orlando, actually. Um, it's in Winter Park. Have you been to Winter Park? Uh, Winter Park. No, I don't. It's so. where Rollins College is. A lot of people will know. Yeah, actually, yeah. I think I have them. So Rollins College is there. It's actually one of the cities that was developed as a winter resort for wealthy Northerners. Mm-hmm. That was the whole the whole thing. Um, the man, one of the men who came down and started building it was a chronic. He had chronic bronchitis, and so he came down and he really saw the potential for it to be developed into this resort area for people to come from the north. And he went in with a boyhood friend of his, and they invested, and they started building. And um, it still is, for me, kind of a step back in time when you go there, because it's still designed on that grid of streets that they built. And the idea was to have a big um, central park in the downtown area, which they do. And it really did bring in visitors. Rollins College, which is still there, uh, was built there, and... 
um, the whole the whole village, Winter Park Village, kind of developed into this art and literary colony. And so even today when you go there, there's still um, places to go and enjoy art mm-hmm. and um, partake in, you know, just that whole feel that I'm sure was exactly the same thing that people felt then. And so as people um, came to the area, one of the things, because Winter Park is built on several lakes, one of the things that um, is neat about it is the lakes are connected by these little canals. It kind of mm-hmm. looks like something you would envision in Venice or somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so one of the earliest attractions in Florida, it was built, I think, in 1938, is the um, Winter Park Scenic Boat Tour. And you get on the little boat. And mm-hmm. you go through the canals and you go and you see all of the beautiful homes that were built on the lakes and the history of the whole area. Mm. And it's still operating. I've been on it several times. Wow. And it's a great little boat ride through the history of uh, Winter Park. I've never even heard of that. <clears throat> yeah, it's great. It's great. And also a throwback to that whole art colony that I was talking about mm-hmm. when you're in Winter Park. There's a museum there called the Morse Museum of American Art, and that actually houses the largest collection of Tiffany glass in the world. Oh, wow. So it's a neat place to go. It really is. There's all kinds of shopping, great restaurants down there. Um, it can really be a good a good day. So um, are you taking notes? Yeah, I'm going to like make you got a road trip. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you got some road trips coming. Uh, okay, so there's a couple of other great excursions farther south that um, – had some early tourist beginnings. One of them is Theater of the Sea, which is back to 1946. It is in the Keys, Al to be exact. And it is basically a marine mammal park. It's got dolphins, sea lions, sea turtles, tropical gardens, Uh birds. Uh, It's family owned still. It's beautiful to explore. I was really concerned a couple of years ago when Irma came through that it wouldn't survive that storm. But thankfully they did. And as you know, we are planning a trip to the Florida Keys coming up in a few months. And if you want to go visit Theater of the Sea, that is the perfect time to do it because it's right in our neck of the woods when we're down there. Um, And it is... I mean, to me, it's, again, one of those places that just screams old Florida, you mm-hmm. know, when you yeah. go there. It's just, it's beautiful. Um, one, one last, but really it's not the least at all, because I actually have given you a little list, but these are not all of the still standing roadside attractions. So if you're interested in seeing more, you really need to research that. But one more that I have to mention um, is the Miami Seaquarium. It was built at the height of the 1950s. Miami was really booming at the time. Um, And so, you know, that time, again, families have cars. World War II is over. There's Mm -hmm. a whole boom. Right. Families are traveling, and they're coming to Miami, and they're seeing this great marine life attraction. At the time, it was actually the world's largest marine life attraction, and it was very popular. But then (laughs) come the 1960s, and it actually becomes more popular. Do you know why? The 1960s. Little trivia. TV show. Oh, Flipper. Flipper. Yeah. <laughs> became The Miami Seaquarium became one of the primary filming locations. Really? No kidding. Yep. 1960s Flipper. So I went there and I was like, oh, this is for Flipper. Because did you watch Flipper? I remember oh. seeing some episodes of Flipper. Yeah. yeah. Reruns for sure. But I'm telling yeah. you, they were great. Um, 
So the sea aquarium actually is still fully functioning. It's got mm -hmm. a huge aquarium, a saltwater aquarium, and a lot of really neat options still for like wildlife interaction uh -huh. and experiences. So, and then of course they still have bottlenose dolphins. So that's it. But uh, so anyway, there you have it. For the love of Florida, you got to get out there and enjoy some of these places. I know. It sounds like there's so much exciting stuff to do in Florida. And we know, as you said, this is just the tip of the iceberg It really for Florida. is. There's more. Like, so I could do a whole do. other podcast. Yeah. But, you know, the thing I feel about these um, places is we really need to visit them mm -hmm. and keep them yeah. going. Keep them viable because you want to keep them on the map for our, our future generations of yeah. kids to really kind of experience and to understand where we came from. It's know? our own unique Florida culture. It is. It's the, very yeah. unique. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, it's not a complete list, but you certainly can find other places um, to visit and, and just calendar. So, you know, my kids and I, we actually put some on the calendar starting this year, places that, you know, we just want to be sure to hit. Yeah. And uh, so it's fun. You can go back to these all the time. But anyway, I'm I'm glad you were here today and we got a chance to kind of talk yeah. about some of these neat places. And if you're um, joining us today and you're considering homeschooling or maybe you're already fully engaged in homeschooling, I just want you to remember this, that FPEA is your source for all of your Florida homeschooling needs. You can check out our website, www.fpa.com, for exciting opportunities and valuable resources. Also, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, or Instagram for other great tidbits and resources that are sure to help you as you create your customized homeschool journey. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us next time for FPEA Connects. You can find us on the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network at ultimateradioshow.com. For more information about FPEA, visit us at our website, fpea.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. Until next time, stay connected.